0: In other words, if a person wants to be with God in heaven, he needs to confront the reality that he needs Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is the one who paid the penalty of our sins. Good evening. It's always a joy and uh, you know, privilege always to stand here and share to you the Word of God. Um, I'll be talking about a very important topic, especially as we, we grow as Christians in, in the Lord. And, uh, and just a heads up, we'll be using a lot of uh, verses. So if you don't have a Bible, maybe you can use the Bible in front of you. And uh, you, know, you can follow along because uh, my desire is just not to take my word, but actually see it from the scripture because that's very important. It is not my word, but it is God's word that we need to take and also uh, use it for our lives. Um, I, will, I will start this sermon by telling you a short story. And I know a lot of you can relate to this because it's actually a Philippine history. And, uh, you know, during World War II... In 1942, American and Filipino forces were under siege in the Philippines. Imperial Japan invaded soon after the Pearl Harbor attack. Actually, it happened in uh, early December of 1941. And by early March of 1942, they had uh, uh, battled up uh, the U.S. and Filipino uh, Filipino forces on the uh, Bataan Peninsula, and corridor, some of you maybe uh, went there, but uh, uh, President Roosevelt, fearful that one of the America's most successful and well-known generals could be taken captive by the Japanese, ordered General MacArthur, MacArthur to escape to Australia. His escape by boat from near certain capture was successful. In Australia. MacArthur boarded a plane uh, which took him to Alice Springs in Northern Australia. He then boarded a special train, and it was, a, it was at a tearaway train station when, uh, where he uttered the famous phrase, I came out of Bataan and I shall return. Over the next two years, of course, bitter fighting would, would follow MacArthur's promise to come true. And on October 20th of 1944, the war is about to end, MacArthur waded ashore in Leyte after his troops had invaded and secured a beachhead. He then declared triumphantly to a jubilant crowd, people of the Philippines, I have returned. You know, there's someone in the Bible but also promised that he would return. You know who is that person? Yes, it is the Lord Jesus Christ. He promised that he will come again, and that's very clear in the Scripture. You know, as I follow along, I don't really read much um, in detail when it comes to the news all over the world, but I follow the news, you know, browsing and uh, just skimming skimming the news, and you know, in different parts of the world, I can't help but think of the return of Christ, especially the rapture. Christ, Christ's Im- imminent return, you know, has a tremendous em- uh, impact on our day-to-day, Christian as, uh, in our day-to-day Christian living. Do you know that? And that's why, for me personally, it's very important for us to understand this because really it's really detrimental in how we live our lives as Christian. I personally believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. And to those who are members of this church, you know that that's our firm belief. Someone might say, well, you know, Pastor Silver, does it really matter to hold a pre-tribulation rapture? I mean, you know, the important thing is that a person believes in the Lord Jesus Christ and accepts Him as his and her, or her Savior, right? Well, that's true. That's true. But it matters because of how it can impact your Christian life and my Christian life. And we will learn that later on how this imminent return of Jesus Christ will really gave an impact in our Christian life. It also matters because that what, that's what the Bible teaches. It matters because it can bring tremendous joy and confidence in Christ. And so tonight... We will look into the topic, the imminent return of Christ, and we will learn how it can greatly impact our Christian lives. But before that, let's pray and ask the Lord to help us learn from His Word tonight. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for tonight. We thank You, Lord, for those who... Uh, come and uh, came back from our morning service we thank you lord for your grace and your faithfulness to this church and lord we ask that you would speak into our hearts we understand that you are the source of strength and knowledge and wisdom and how we live our lives there father we can see it uh, all over the place in your word and so father help us to understand it help us to uh, get something and so that we can, we can use it for your honor and glory. We can use it as we grow in our relationship with you. Lord, speak into our hearts in our midst tonight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, the first thing that we will learn about the imminent uh, return of the Lord Jesus Christ is the fact. Okay, uh, Because, you know, if we are teaching it, we need to know... If really, the Bible teaches us about the imminent, of the, Lord, the imminent return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the fact of Jesus is coming. If you are, you are writing notes, so that's our first point. The fact of Jesus is coming. Now let's start by reading a portion of the scripture in John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. Now, John, as you're going there, John chapter fourteen is part of, of course, what we call the upper room discourse, because this is where Jesus Christ, during you know the during the last days of his life, in before he will be crucified, and this he he met the his disciples in the upper room, and John chapter fourteen verses one to three. The word of God says, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, here we go, I will come again. And receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. When you look at the Bible, it is uh, the Bible is very profound when it comes to the return of Jesus Christ. And we know that when Jesus, we know already that you know Jesus Christ came first, right? His purpose, his reason why he came into this world, he died for our sins. At the cross of Calvary, he was buried and rose again on the third day, and he gave that equal opportunity to everyone to be saved. And there are no single individual that can, you know, can can lift a finger, lift a finger to to the Lord or fist towards God that He didn't give or do something about salvation. He gave everything. And He gave everyone an equal opportunity to, to be saved on, you know, during His first coming. However, the Bible also teaches about the imminent return of Jesus Christ in the clouds for His saints. And that's what we called the rapture. And His second coming, talking about the establishment of the Davidic kingdom, so the millennial reign after the tribulation. You know, folks, the Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ is coming again. And let's go, let's, uh, you know, notice here, notice in verses, verse 3 especially, or in just in the context here, if you read John chapter 14, notice that even though Jesus speaks, so his disciples here who were who were jews by the way the context does not talk about preparing or establishing the davidic kingdom correct there's nowhere there in the in, in that certain passage that he talks about um, his that he's coming and establishing the davidic kingdom so why what is that then okay that will you know the, the, the establishing of the davidic kingdom will certainly happen but it will happen after the seven years seven years tribulation but notice in verse three jesus said you know i underline this um, you can underline that if you if you want that he will come again jesus said here i will come again now many people are skeptical about the return of jesus christ and we will learn that later on even at the time of the apostles there are people mock the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, but you know whether whether they believe it or not. And it's the same principle that we can say in all the truths in the Bible. Whether the per, a person believe it or not, but in our context here, whether a person believe or believes or not on the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, it do, doesn't negate the fact that Jesus Christ is coming soon. Also, there are many Christians who, who once believed the imminent return of Jesus Christ. But what they did is they abandoned this truth and, and position. And because they have this thought that ever since Jesus ascended to heaven, he never came back like what he said. Yes, it is true that for more than 2,000 years, uh, you know, when he when he ascended from heaven Christ has not come yet but let me tell you this we are much closer to his promise than we had ever been ever had before we will we'll go back here in in John chapter 14 but let's turn to second peter second peter chapter 3 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 to 4. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 to 4. The Word of God says, Knowing this first, that there shall come, notice, in the last days, what is that word? Scoffers, walking after their own lusts. And this is what they said, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from beginning of creation. Okay, you see, even in the time of the Apostle Peter, in the time of the Apostles, there are people who still say, well, Jesus Christ said that he will come. Where is he right now? He didn't come yet. You know, for 2,000 years, that's what he promised. And Right now, we're looking, we're waiting for His coming, but there are people who would say, where, where, where's the promise of your God? But for me, as, as the way I look at it is that the fact that there are on the rise of skeptics and mockers of this truth solidifies Christ's promise. Because if you look at it, you see, in the last days. You see, it just solidifies that we are really in the last days. Scoffers will arise and say against Christ's promise, return. Now let's go back to John chapter 14. And I want you to see this because in, in verse 3, Jesus said that he will come again and receive you unto myself. Right? It says there in verse 3, In other words, Jesus went to heaven and prepared a place there, and one day he will come again and receive the people unto himself. Well, who are these people that he will receive? Now, in context, of course, he's talking about his disciples, but who else? Who else? Well, Jesus Christ answered it, well, indirectly, of course, In John chapter 14, verse 6, just look at there in verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, I want you to notice first that there are four absolutes there, right? Okay, can you help me out? So what's the first one that you can see there? Jesus Christ said, he is the way, okay? It's not a way, but the way. The second one would be, he is the truth. Not just other truth that human, you know, uh, invented, but he is the truth. The third one, he said, the life, okay? He is the life. And the fourth one, he said, he said there on the phrase, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Okay, so there's four absolutes there. And do you realize that what, when, when Jesus said this truth, he wanted us to understand how exclusive salvation really is. For since the beginning of time, You know, man always tries to find ways to go to God. But, you know, really the Bible is is very clear that it's only God's way that we can go to Him. It's only God's truth that we can go to Him. It's only His life that we can have eternal life. And no man cometh unto the Father except you go through the Lord Jesus Christ. It means that all other way leads to destruction. All other notions about truth are lies. And all promise, other promises of life, actually leads to death. In other words, if a person wants to be with God in heaven, he needs to confront the reality that he needs Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is the one who paid the penalty of our sins. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, But God commendeth or showed or demonstrate his love toward us, and that while we were, we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, every person who trusted in Jesus Christ as his Lord and personal Savior will have their place in heaven. And that's why when Jesus Christ said, I will come again and receive you unto myself, he is also talking to those who accepted him as his Lord and personal Savior. Now let's go to First Thessalonians chapter 4. And I think, for me, this passage helps us understand how the rapture will take place. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Verses 13 to 18. A very, um, a little bit lengthy passage, but if you can follow along with me as I read verses 13 to 18. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. I'm talking about those believers who died and having that relationship with Jesus Christ. That ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which which sleep in Jesus will God bring uh, bring with him. For this we say unto you, by the word of of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord Himself, so this would be the order of uh, how the rapture will take place. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So that's the first indication when Jesus Christ will meet us in the clouds, that those who died with the relationship with Jesus Christ, will come back to their body. And that's why, you know, when, when people say, well, yeah, what, what happened to those who were who cremated, right? Their ashes will you know, scattered all over the world, okay? Don't you think that the God who made heaven and earth can put all things together, right? And so, that's nothing to him. And so, that's what happened, he, in verse 16, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain, now Paul now is talking with the saints that are still alive during that day, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And this is the marvelous phrase. And so shall we ever be. With the Lord, wherefore comfort one another with these words. And so, according to the verses that we've we've learned, there's no doubt, there's no doubt that Jesus will return. In fact, Jesus is coming soon. He is coming soon, and this leads us to our second point, which is the eminency of Jesus' coming. So we ta- we talked about the fact of Jesus is coming. Number two, the eminency of Jesus is coming. Now let's turn to just a few pages. For me, just one verse, uh, one page. Uh 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Okay, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse verses 9 to 10. Now, before we read this, the passage, the word eminency, the word eminency means that Jesus can come at any moment, at any time. No one knows when will Jesus Christ meet us in the clouds. No one. There's no sign whatsoever that you can find in the Scripture. Yes, the tribulation has signs. Millennial reign has signs. Because I think it it matters because for the Jews. But for us Christians, rapture... There's no sign at all. And that's why I I believe that it is the word imminency reflects that because Jesus can come at any moment and any time. And that's why the Bible teaches us to keep looking and waiting for the coming of Jesus Christ because He could come at any moment. Right? And so, with that in mind, verse, verses 9 and 10, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. The word of God says, for they themselves show of us what manner of entering entering in we had unto you and how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Now pause there for a moment. You see, Paul is talking about the Thessalon- uh, Christians at Thessalonica and how he met these people and how he's seen how they grew in their Christian life because at the first, when, when Paul met them, they were serving the gods of this world. But then eventually, they've, they've heard the gospel, they accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and ha- that's how a change of mind had happened to them. Now they're serving the true and living God. In verse 10, it says, "...and to wait." Now, very interesting because Jesus Christ probably went to heaven for a few years after because Thessalonians is one of those early letters that that the Apostle Paul wrote. And after that, a few years after, Paul wrote to them to wait and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. And I believe that wrath to come, they're talking about the revelation, uh, sorry, the tribulation, not revelation, but tribulation. You know, the word wait, if you look that, it, uh you know, in grammar, it's actually in the present tense. It's in the present tense, which means that It's to be waiting always for the coming of Jesus Christ. We keep on waiting day after day after day. And let's turn to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Another verse, James chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. This is James, the half-brother of Jesus Christ. And he wrote to the Christians also, and he said, Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. You see how they would keep on saying that the Lord's return is very near. Verse 9, grudge not once one against another brethren lest ye be condemned now watch this the the you know the end of the verse in verse 9 behold the judge standeth before the door you know for me it sounds like almost we are in the rapture It sounds like the imminent return of Jesus Christ. Jesus is at the door. Another verse, Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Verses 20 and 21. Philippians chapter 3 verses 20 20 and 21. The Word of God says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we'll look. Okay, so you see there? Also we'll look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working, whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. And it's the same thing the word look there again in the present tense, to keep looking, to keep, keep looking on the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that word actually means to, keep, uh, to, to expect fully, to expect fully for the coming of Jesus Christ. Last verse here in Titus. Let's go to Titus. Titus chapter 2. verse 13 the Word of God says and again here looking for that blessed hope in the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ so why do these verses teach us to keep waiting and looking for the coming of Jesus Christ you know why because Christ's coming, as what I've said, is imminent. It is imminent. And, folks, this is why I'm so adamant, really, about the pre tribulation rapture. Not only does the Bible teach this, but it also creates a profound impact in my life as Christians and in your life as Christians. You know, if you believe, you know, there are basically three more. Stand when it comes to the rapture. If you believe in mid tribulation or pre wrath tribulation, or if you heard about post tribulation as well rapture, these verses will have no impact. Will have no impact in your Christian life. And someone someone might say, "Well, Pastor Silver, you don't you don't know that." Well, you know, I learn I learn a thing or two about human nature, right? Human nature. Do you know why many students, all of you, I I think, uh, went to become students or you're a student right now. Do you know why many students hate the unannounced quizzes? Personally, I'm teaching Bible college and they always complain about unannounced quizzes. Right? Probably for you. I experience it. I, I really don't like unannounced quizzes. Why? Exactly. Human nature, we don't study. We don't want to study, like study every day. If I, but if I know that there's a quiz tomorrow, well, I will study, right? You, will, you can understand that. Well, of course... If Christ will come back in mid or pre wrath, or well, let's say post, it doesn't matter even, then we will not keep looking. We will not keep waiting for Jesus Christ because we know already. We will just wait for the signs of the first half of the tribulation. And there are many signs for it. You can just look at Revelation chapter 6 and even Matthew chapter 24. You can see it there. However, the rapture doesn't have any signs and that's why the Bible teaches us to be ready to keep keep looking and waiting for the coming of Jesus Christ. And that's why it's imminent. And this leads us to our third point and that is the preparation for Jesus' coming. The preparation for Jesus' coming. You know, we already established the fact of Jesus' coming, the imminency of His coming, and we know that Jesus can come at any moment in any time then. The question is, how should we prepare ourselves in light of this truth? First, for the unsaved. Uh, I, I always don't just, you know just give an impression that all of us here are saved. But, you know, if you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you need to make make sure right now, not tomorrow, not later even, right now, you make, because you understand already, right, that the coming of Jesus Christ is imminent. He could come at any moment, at any time you need to make sure right now that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because during the rapture, you can just, no no one will tell here or can say here, is this rapture ready? Right? Because rapture it will happen in a twinkling of an eye. No one can say, Lord, wait, I'll pray. I'll pray first. I will accept you. No one will, can say that. During the rapture, for the, so the unsaved, you, you need to make sure right now that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You need to make sure he is your Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior tonight. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. And by the way, that's the only payment for sin, death. If you haven't settled that, I hope you settled that tonight no amount of work or religiosity can be a payment for sin jesus christ the perfect sacrifice died for our sins so that we have the gift of eternal life through faith in, G- in him in jesus christ and that's why for the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ our lord ephesians chapter 2 verse 89 for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of god not of works lest any man should boast so i am pleading you now i am pleading if you're here tonight and don't know the lord jesus Christ as your personal savior settle that tonight not only you will have eternal life actually but you will also have a guarantee. You have confidence that when Jesus Christ comes back, he will. He was said in, in John chapter fourteen, he will receive you unto himself. That's your guarantee. Well, if what happens if you are saved, and I know many of you are saved here. For the saved, the fact that the fact of the imminency of the coming of Jesus Christ is a motivator. It is a motivator for us to live our lives for Him and not to waste our lives as Christians and even for this world. Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Corinthians. Let's turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Maybe you memorize this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 58. The Word of God says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know, this, this concluding statement is based on, of course, Paul is talking about the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ in this context because the Corinthian believers asked the Apostle Paul about this topic. And then this is his concluding statement in light with the the, the fact that Christ can come at any moment, at any time. And this means that the more we get older as Christians, I've been saved since 1996. The more we get older as Christians, the more we should abound. And that's what the Bible says here. Abound in the Lord, not to lay low. Right? Do you understand what, I, what, what this means? Because always abounding in the work of the Lord. But, you know, maybe you would say, well, Pastor Silva, it's, it's a lot of work. Sure, it's a lot of work and that's why we see the word labor there that actually means to toil you know there's 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 this lots of work and because god knows that it's not easy of course he provided all the resources for us to live for him and most of all let's not forget every christian all of us all christians have the holy spirit's power. Well, of course, only if we yield unto him. Now, let's turn to 1 John chapter 2 verse 28. 1 John chapter 2 verse 28. The word of God says, and now, little children, abide in him. That when he shall appear, talking about the coming of Jesus Christ, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. When you look at that verse, this is really a tremendous, really a tremendous truth for us Christians. You know, the Bible says that we need to abide in Him, in Christ. Why? He gave us a statement there. Why we need to abide in Jesus Christ. Why? Because the Bible says that when He shall appear, we we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. For me, that's powerful. That's a motivator there. Motivator, And this verse gives us the idea that, the, that on the judgment seat of Christ, there will be Christians who will be ashamed of themselves. Why? Because they, they wasted their lives living for themselves and not for Christ. That's the reality of it. And I think John through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote this, and God tells us that, you know, we need to make sure that when we stand, when we see the Lord Jesus Christ face to face, we have this confidence, and, we, and not to be ashamed when we see Him. Now, how does this impact? As what I've said, we, we, we can learn about the impact of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in our christian life you know the imminent return of christ at the rapture will motivate us in many areas of our lives first it will motivate us to abide in him and that's what first john is trying to tell us abide in him it's the same as the word that was meant was jesus christ used in john chapter 15 right if you want to be fruitful christian What do you need to do to do your own way? No, Jesus Christ said, abide in me, right? Abide in me. He said that in verses four to five in order for us to be fruitful. You know, abide means to stay, to stay, to remain in fellowship, to be close to Christ. And this means to stay in close fellowship with Christ till he comes, that's the first thing. It, you know. Uh, secondly, as we abide, it will give us confidence when we see him. It will give us confidence when we see him. The word confidence means boldness. If you think of it, it is the idea of nothing to hide. It is the idea of nothing to hide, and therefore able to stand with cheerful courage and assurance knowing that you live your life for the Lord. You know, if you really think of it, wouldn't it be amazing that when Jesus raptures you or us, you're doing His will, right? We all want that. We all want that. When Jesus Christ, all of a sudden, you're here at the church. You're not in the party whatsoever. I'm not saying that party is wrong, okay? but you know you're doing you're doing the will of God. You you're living your life for Him. You are serving Him faithfully, in a, you know, you know you can imagine that you're reading the Bible or uh, witnessing to others or serving Him in the church or praying or attending the church services. And all of a sudden, in the twinkling of an eye, you say, Oh, I'm in heaven. You see Jesus Christ. You see, that will give you a confidence when you are, when, when the Lord Jesus Christ will return. Also, if we abide, the Word of God says in First John here, chapter 28, uh, sorry, chapter 2, verse 28. If we abide, we will not be ashamed, which means to suffer this grace. Paul also talked about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Right? First Corinthians chapter 3. The sad thing about this verse is that there will be Christians who will stand at the judgment seat of Christ and have a mentality of, yeah, I'm good. I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I'm good, you know. Um, I'm going to heaven anyhow, no matter what. No matter what, I'm going to heaven. And decide to live for themselves, who decide to not go to church or maybe not do uh, letting our, your uh, lights shine before uh, anyone. Stop soul winning, stop serving, stop reading the Bible and pray. And the Bible says that they will be ashamed. And they will see Jesus Christ. And really, personally, if I if you really read that, and I think for me personally, it's like I don't want that. I don't want that to be to happen. Yes, I will be in heaven, but the thing is, I will suffer this grace in the sight of the Lord, with all the things that Jesus Christ done for me. I will not do that. Um, you know. So 1 Corinthians chapter three verse fifteen says that. They shall suffer loss. They that shall suffer loss. That's why it is important to abide in Christ. Very important passage. And also, it will motivate us not only to abide in Him, but also it will motivate us to live pure lives. And for that, let's just hear in the same, same uh, book, First John, but it's in chapter 3, verse 3. Uh, verse three. Chapter 3, verse 3. First John chapter three, verse verse three. For the sake of time, I, you know, I'll I'll just read here. And every man that have this hope, okay, if you read the context of that, okay, it's just talking about the coming, right? The coming of Jesus Christ. And every man that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself, even as He is pure. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute, I thought we were already pure when we accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Well, positionally, that's true, positionally. In Christ, we are pure, but this has to do with our Christian life, you know, our sanctification. We need to be separated from the things that are evil and sinful. We need to be separated from the world and not to conform to it Romans chapter 12 verse 2 and I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about perfection here because perfection can no man attain as long as we still have the old nature battling against the new nature and in fact Jesus uh, John is also talked about in first uh, in chapter one in the same book he said if you say you, you don't have sin what are you If you say you don't have sin, what are you? Yeah, you're a liar. Okay? So John even understand that. Okay? Understand that, that during our lifetime as Christians, God is doing and working in our lives for us to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. But of course, perfection can be attained when the Lord Jesus Christ comes and and returns Look with me in Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Here we go again. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify himself a peculiar people Zealous of good works. To live pure lives means we need to stop living worldly and godly at the same time. That's how it means. And lastly, here, it will motivate us to share the gospel. It always links. When you are actually get saved, it always links for the sharing of the gospel because God has commissioned us to share the gospel. Now for this let's turn our Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. I'm almost done. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 17 I will start reading here. Philippians 3:17, brethren, Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction as God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things for a conversation for a conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the savior the lord jesus christ who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself chapter 4 verse 1 therefore My brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. And I beseech Yodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, This is what the Apostle Paul said, Help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say, rejoice. So the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ will motivate us to share the gospel now turn with me and this is the last verse that we will go in Romans chapter 13 Romans chapter 13 verses 11 and 12 Romans chapter 13 verses 11 and 12 and that knowing the time that now it is the high time to awake out of sleep For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. There we go again. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Now tonight we understand that Jesus Christ is coming soon. And He can come at any moment, at any time. Now, how many of you remember the day you were saved? Yes, maybe, yeah, many of us remember that you were saved. Aren't you glad that someone shared to you the word of God, that someone shared to you the gospel? You are glad, right? You are glad. And because of that, you have now the gift of eternal life, but not only that, you are assured that when Jesus Christ will come back, he, you and I will be with him for eternity. That's an amazing news. You are saved today because they obey the God and share the gospel to you. God is calling every Christian to do the same. Would you do the same? Would you do the same? Sir, share the gospel to the lost and live for him. Now, is it possible that you are here tonight and you have not repented of your sins and accepted Jesus Christ in your heart and life to save you and take you from heaven one day? If not, I encourage you to settle it tonight. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.